welcome back, folks. You're listening to another episode of Drive Into the Basket. I am Mike, joined once again by Price. You remember him from the draft preview episodes. Price, good to have you back in the show, friend. Thank you for having me. Uh, so today we're going to talk rotation, you know, what we'd like it to be, what we think it will be, and start up with uh, with the crop of player previews, probably just for the veterans, but we'll see how far we go before it gets uh, too late at night out here. So yep. uh, first and foremost, though, Price, how uh, how are you feeling? Are you getting excited for the season? I mean, I am, I'm excited to see Cade play and I hope we can get a good picture of where this, this franchise is going this year. I will talk about maybe overall projections later, but really the main thing I just, I'm excited to see how these guys fit together because, you know, Ivy wasn't who he, who he turned into at the beginning of the year. Duran obviously is going to have full another year of experience, a full off season to sort of build upon. We just haven't really seen these players that have been drafted by Troy Weaver all on the court together at the same time. So, so I mean, obviously Asar who's just drafted is, is going to feature into this consideration too. So I just want to see where people are at, uh, see where the team's going. So yeah, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty stoked. Yeah, me too. I think there's a lot to be excited for, you know, a lot, a lot of potential storylines to be excited for. Yes. Potentially the Pistons, I wouldn't necessarily bank on it, but potentially the Pistons having a, a somewhat respectable team. I don't think the plan is necessarily out of reach if everything goes well. But, you know, even just having Cade back in the lineup and getting to watch him after uh, after some time, also he's gotten to spend on his own skills development off the court. And yeah, really all of the youth. It's just, uh, yeah, I'm feeling really excited about it. And I, I had something funny that I was going to say, but uh, I can't remember. It, it definitely wasn't about Buddy Beheim. I can tell you that much. <clears throat> of course not. Yeah. Um, so, uh, oh yeah, here's what it was. You know, is this the year in which at the end of the season, we will not be rooting for losses? <laughs> you know? Yes. Yeah. Is this the year? Is it, like, is it time? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Do, uh, do you watch hockey? Like, do you watch a lot of, a lot of the NHL, particularly the playoffs? Or have you in a while? Big Red Wings fan. Big okay. Fan. So you remember from the early 2010s, the Is This the Year series of commercials that they would play during the postseason? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's kind of what's coming into my mind. And you had Alexander Ovechkin saying it in Russian. I don't want to try to repeat it because I completely mangle it. But yeah, you know, like, is this the year? Is this the year? Pistons fans don't have to root for losses down the stretch. I really, please, please, I don't want to do it again. <clears throat> you know, it was hard enough. There's fun. It's sort of my was stressful the first time. It was bad the second time. And it was just, I, I don't want to do it again. Please, let's not do that again. So, um, no, but if the Pistons make it, they don't make it to the playoffs and, you know, have the eighth best odds and they get the first overall pick, I'd be completely fine with that outcome. <clears throat> but, uh, you know, as we've heard, the Pistons are really going to emphasize more winning and uh, less development. I don't think this is going to mean balls to the walls, you know, all full pursuit of wins. I think development's still going to be a major focus. I just think that teams, the players are not going to be able to play through their mistakes. No more Killian Hayes, you know, assuming he even gets a chance and just getting to play terribly for 40 games just because even Marvin Bagley, who, who may not even make another rotation. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, another underrated thing uh, that I think I mentioned last episode or the episode before that is Monty Williams. I mean, Oof. yeah, Price, you and I have been watching horrible coaches for a long time. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's going to be good. I think Monty, like he wasn't my first choice for coach, but I think he's a good coach. And I'm looking forward to the Pistons having a good coach, which has not been the case for maybe 15 years, if you liked Flip Saunders. 
yeah no it's been it's been a long long time since the pistons have had a good coach i mean even going out of like the quote unquote rebuild it's been what since like larry brown I don't know. Yeah, some some would say Larry Brown, some would say Flip Saunders. If you're talking Larry Brown, who, let's not forget, spent the 2005 playoffs interviewing for new jobs, yep. which may have made the difference, really. <laughs> the players said it was a horrific distraction during the playoffs. So, yeah, it's yeah, it's, it's going to be good to see the Pistons with, the, yeah. with with a good coach. I feel like Dwayne Casey, even though he had won coach of the year the year before, was, was already a below average coach by the time he reached Detroit. And it, it, Dwayne Casey <laughs> was... In, in a really terrible position, or at least he was put in a terrible position with a roster that like had no future. And then there's the, you know, complete and utter turnover that happened over the last, over the two years leading up to the hiring of Troy Weaver and how the oldest or longest tenured Pistons on the roster right now is Killian Hayes and Isaiah Stewart. And it's just, it's been a, been a lot. And Casey was put in a terrible position to succeed. And although he didn't succeed and the on-court product definitely was not helped by his coaching, I think he did a good job keeping the spirit of the team together as things were, were shifting. Yeah. So, yeah. It, it wasn't all bad under Casey, but hopefully we get a little bit of that with Monty and a lot more on the X's and O's front that could see better utilization of the players we have. Oh, yes. Completely agree. Yeah, Casey, I, I've seen I've seen it said about Casey, like, you know, he just he had bad rosters, and that's true, but he was also a bad coach. He was a bad coach with bad rosters. And in some cases, it's like awesome you know, Dwayne in 2021, 2020-2021 season, your horrible coaching helped the Pistons lose a lot of close games. <laughs> so it's like it wasn't all bad. But yeah, all the same. There's very little that pisses me off more in sports than watching a coach who gives his team far less, uh, a, a far less than the best chance to win than he can. But I mean, if we're talking about people uh, the, whom the Pistons really should have considered hiring, I mean, there's one in particular. And you know it, I know it, it's Mike Babcock. Like no, Babcock, just uh, <clears throat> who just got uh, fired by the Columbus Blue Jackets after two months. I don't know what they were thinking. Oh, and... legendarily bad hire. That's this is one of the all time worst in pro sports. It was stupid. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was just stupid. Like a completely thoughtless hire. Like even with I, I and okay, we we probably shouldn't spend too long talking about the Red Wings, but my my opinion <laughs> is that he leaned heavily on his assistant coaches uh, with the, with the Red Wings. And he had two genuine head coach, future head coaches. In fact, head coach caliber assistants in his first two years with the Red Wings, first three years, excuse me, with the Red Wings. It was Paul McLean who wanted to coach in Ottawa and, and Tom McClellan who would coach for several teams. I think the Kings, the Oilers uh, and the Sharks. And yeah, I think he was overrated and I was really, really ready for him to get me gone by the time he got gone. And then he went on to Toronto and did a bad job with a great deal of talent. Anyway, <clears throat> yeah, I'm sure Price and I could talk about the Red Wings and Red Wings history for a while, but uh, yeah. that's not what the show's about. So let's talk Pistons. So now uh, let's get to what did we think. Well, let's talk about what we would like the rotation to be. Oh, no, let's talk about what we think the rotation will be first. And then yeah. we can see what we would we like to talk about, uh, you know, what we prefer it to be. So this roster is a little bit weird in the sense that it doesn't 
really have guys on standard NBA contracts who are just like, okay, you guys are hardly ever going to play because you're just here to provide depth. Like teams, even with like the the 13th, 14th, 15th roster spots, are still going to want guys who play to you know present some practical purpose. You know, can possibly provide some value in the now or have upside or just good veteran leaders. The Pistons don't really. Yeah, I mean, like Joe Harris is about as far fringe rotation as it gets. You have Killian Hayes, who still has <laughs> on paper some potential. So, yeah, it's it's going to be weird, and there are going to be some guys I think who just sit out entirely. I mean, if you had to take your guess right now, out of the fourteen standard NBA contracts in the team, and we'll just leave out Marcus Sasser because I think you and I, I mean, he's he's coming into a, a stacked guard rotation. Yeah, and I, I think his chances of getting minutes are pretty low. Just you know, no shame to him. But if you had to look at the rest of the rotation, the guys on standard NBA deals, and and pick out guys you think are just not going to be in the rotation this season, who would those be to start the season at least? And we're, are we going like with a standard eight man rotation, and then exp- well, what do you think? What do you what do you think will run? I mean, I, I would I would it's, I think it's pretty unusual for a coach to run more than a nine man rotation on a regular basis. So if like we're talking without injuries here, then. I'd say that 10 is going to be, I would guess, the absolute maximum we're going to see on any yeah. given night. But uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. This I haven't looked up about Monty, the, the size of the rotation he runs. Of course, you know, it's going to depend. And, you know, if you're in Phoenix and you have, you know, guys you want to have on the floor as much as humanly possible, that's a different story. But yes, yeah. but to, just if you had to, if you had to guess, just to, given how you think it would be structured, whom do you think will, will start the season outside of the rotation? Outside? Yeah, that is an interesting way of, conceiving of it so i'm just yeah i was doing some counting in my head of where these minutes are coming from so i think joe harris is almost assuredly outside the rotation going into it just because of the way that things went with his injury and with his play the last year i i feel like he he's going to need some time to sort of like rehab and get get his sort of stroke going again, kind of finding his footing. So that's who I would say is like for sure among the veteran players who's outside of the rotation, kind of that Nerland's Noel break glass in case of emergency. I think that's that was a Casey line for why Nerland's wasn't playing. And I think Joe Harris is in a similar boat, <clears throat> at least to start with stacked guard rotation man it's it is so hard for us to get he doesn't play much guard he's he's been a full-time forward for a while now even even still i feel like he's yeah he's oh i agree just so one-dimensional at this stage that i i just don't don't view him as a very high priority other than as an insurance gunslinger to come in and you know fire off some threes you know yeah, I completely agree. Yeah, Joe Harris of three seasons ago was just one of the elite catch-and-shoot guys in the league, and I mean, he's still a, a very strong shooter, but had assets that today's Joe Harris does not. I mean, Joe Harris back then was, you know, fairly mobile, if still below average in that respect, and, you know, could do some attacking on closeouts, just, you know, could do the basic stuff that you need to do to be able to play in the NBA. And, you know, even then he was... I mean, he was a guy who could score in the mid-teens in points. He was a great three-point shooter even then. I mean, he had his issues on defense, and he was fairly limited on offense, but still a valuable player. And I think possibly if you were still that player, the Nets may have kept him rather than just dumping him. But right. 
now he you know, he had a couple of surgeries on his ankle and he looked very different last year. His mobility was substantially reduced. Yep. I don't think defense is really going to be much of a thing for him on offense. Just you want to be able to get around, you know, getting around is his importance, getting, uh, you know, being able to hopefully beat some guys off the ball around off ball screens or whatever else. What we're dealing with now is an immobile Joe Harris, who is still almost certainly going to be a very good wide open catch and shoot guy, but is going to struggle a lot on defense and is going to provide, you know, very little aside from just that wide up spot open, uh, spot up three point shooting on offense. And I just don't think that's much of a rotation player. I also don't think he's going to get priority over, uh, over the youth, uh, no. any of them. No, no, I, I, I'd, I'd agree completely. He's, he is definitely the, the most stereotypical, like you said, depth, like veteran on the team where it's just, we just need a guy who's experienced to sit in the room and be, just be like a solid presence and yeah. come in and make some they- shots. Yeah, well, possibly, maybe not even that if they don't need him to do it. I mean, maybe on set plays where he's just wide open. He's the guy I think is, is going to continue to, like I said, to be a great shooter. He's just very, very limited as a player at this point. Yeah. And he'll get, and I don't think he's really going to be able to play much defense unless he wasn't good at it in the first place. He was a below average defender even before his injuries. And so, yeah, mobility is just so key yeah. on both ends of the floor in the modern NBA. It's more and more just a necessary asset to, Really oh, ma- sure. maximize just the the floor spacing and the creativity that the overall league is trending towards. Yeah, and also just, I mean, it's amazing to me. The league just continues to become more and more and more of an exact science, and uh, like a an extremely demanding science, and and the list of qualities that are very very bad and very very harmful just continues to grow. We see the same thing in hockey. Yeah. Like in hockey, for example, if you can't skate today, uh, you know, if you're, if you're a slower skater, you're a below average skater, it's now, it's now a major disadvantage. Like, I mean, the hockey, you can't really render down quite as much, but just things, things change. The NBA is, there are a lot of things in the NBA that can, that can be big problem qualities. They're qualities you got to have and they're qualities you got to not have. So uh, all that said, so yeah, so we got Joe Harris, uh, another one I'll bring up and maybe this will be mildly controversial, but I think Marvin Bagley is by no means out of the running to start the season out of the rotation unless he really impresses in preseason. And this is why I would say that. I mean, number one, if I mean, we don't need to really talk about the guards. Obviously, that doesn't concern Bagley. Yeah, uh, There is a lot of bigs. Um, Bagley is, I think, going to not get priority over Wiseman. And I think the Pistons will really want to see what they what they have there. I think that they want to see if if Wiseman can get smarter basically basketball smarter from seasoning. I think that uh, I think in, in a way that his acquisition was a bit of a no a vote of no confidence in, in Bagley's improvement. But you know, even if you're playing Stewart a power forward, even if Bagley can realistically shoot, I mean I think well, if, if Bagley can't shoot, I'll put it that way, if he doesn't come back as a drastically improved shooter, I don't see a way that he stays in the rotation unless he's just ex- suddenly extremely impressive. Uh, or his his defense has has <laughs> made enormous leaps. <laughs> Um, and, and he beats out Wiseman, but I, I just don't see that happening. And I don't think they're both in the rotation unless there are injuries. I I was going to go go here next. One of Wiseman or Bagley is out of the rotation and maybe even off the team entirely with by the trade deadline. And, and I should say out of the rotation to start the year and then likely trade candidate as soon as then, but no later than trade deadline. It just feels that 
you can't. You know who wants Bagley? <laughs> right. Hopefully Bagley. I think, the Pist- I think the Pistons would gladly get him, have dumped him in this offseason if they could have. Yeah. And I think they would have been very happy to do that. You you look at their, their ages. Wiseman, two years younger, will probably come in at an even lower rate than what Bagley got. Like Bagley was just given way too much money for what he had pr- uh, proven to this point in the NBA and hopefully Wiseman will come under that and is a little bit younger, has way less minutes than Bagley has gotten. Bagley's actually played a decent amount. It's not like this is a guy who's been injured, been out of rotation. He's been injured a lot. He's been injured a lot, but not like Wiseman. Yeah, that's true. Wiseman has been devastated by injuries and was suppressed by having a really, really good team in Golden State that just couldn't afford to give him the minutes in the NBA that he really needed. Meanwhile, Marvin Bagley was in not that circumstance in Sacramento. They certainly were more than willing to give him as many minutes as possible as their second overall pick over Luka Doncic. That didn't go that great. He actually... Real smart. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know why they even took him over Jaron Jackson Jr. That never made any sense to and, me. Right. It, I mean, it still would be wrong to take... Jaron Jackson Jr. over Luca, but it would look a mm-hmm. way less better. It's like it's like Hakeem over Jordan. Yeah, yeah. You want Jordan in that case, but yeah. you still walk away with Hakeem. So, yeah, I think I think they felt okay about that <laughs> one. Think, yeah, Sam Bowie, not not quite as much, but yeah, I see where you're coming from. Basically, there's there's hope that Wiseman has room to grow, whereas I don't think either of us really feels like Bagley has room to grow, at least in the decision making sphere. Uh, and it's like, I think just that ship has sailed on defense. You can't play him at center on defense, period. You cannot have a defense at center uh, with Marvin Bagley at center and even a power forward. I mean, at this point, the guys, you know, make him switch, make him rotate, make him make decisions, a string of decisions, and he's going to screw up. And, and then it's an open layup. Yeah. And we we just don't need his ability as a vertical spacer for Cade with the existence of Jalen Duren anymore. So that... And with Wiseman. Yeah. Uh, with with either Even of that, them. Yeah. And, but that was why Bagley was brought in originally was, hey, a young guy who can also let Cade run the pick and roll with more yeah. aplomb than Isaiah Stewart. Oh, man, that was bad. Yeah. It's, it's like Ugh. they Troy Weaver admitted this was a mistake. Yeah. Zero athletic bigs, which is an issue on any team if you're not the Warriors <laughs> and is a notable omission. And the Pistons had Stewart, Olenek, and Luka Garza was the third string. The three guys who can't jump. <laughs> and... And that's the the thing is that we still haven't seen Cade with a real center because Wiseman, not not that Duran has proven a lot yet, but we we've, we've seen more encouraging signs at least of Duran being a capable defender and the dude's dynamic at yeah. rolling to the rim. Like, oh yeah, he's awesome. He's an awesome pick and roll defender or not defender, uh, offensive player. So. That being said, you can't have both in the rotation. I think Wiseman gets it. Me too. At, at this point, I, I think Bagley's superfluous and is probably liable to find himself on another team. Uh, in if possible, order. if possible, in short order. Yeah, if if possible. Yeah, I think a couple things about Bagley. Yeah, he did come in and and look pretty good next to Cade in that first one third of a season. Yeah, I think it was in part. Well, number one, Cade's great in the pick and roll. Uh, number yeah. two, I think he was made to look better than he actually was by the fact that Kate had not had any athletic big to work with. Kate, who lives in the high pick and roll, had not had any pick and roll center to work with. I mean, he was still, Bagley was still garbage on defense, but um, 
yeah, so I, I think it was less that Bagley was particularly good and more just that he was a, a, a guy who can finish on the pick and roll, you know, who can finish around the basket at a, at a high percentage and vertically space the floor. Now, yes, that's valuable, but it's nowhere near enough to compensate for the fact that elsewhere on offense, he does nothing. He cannot shoot. He remained last season absolutely horrible from uh, from three, including on wide open threes, better than his 19% mark with the Pistons in his first season here. But yeah, I still can't do that. And on defense, he's a mess. Mm-hmm. He's the definition of empty stats. He had some big games when it did not make sense for the Pistons to give. There was nobody else really for the Pistons to give the ball to, uh, you know, in his usage. So I think he's just... And I think finally, the fact that they even brought Wiseman on, I think was a big vote of no confidence in Bagley. Yeah. yeah even though you know, even though it had only been a short time and he'd spent a lot of time injured. I mean, the guy came in looking no better than he had the year before. It, it just might not be there. Just kind of... So that happens yep. to guys with with their NBA careers. You just wonder, like, hey, why why was he drafted so early? And then the the, the following three, four, five years just don't really show anything. It's like, yeah, well, a lot of promise, but it it is a there it's paper promise. It it exists in theory on a paper somewhere. Yeah, this guy could have been good if certain things had broken differently. And sure, Bagley had promise, but even at Duke, I remember that year being like the defense. The defense. What? How did? How does a player like that exist in in the the NBA and succeed? Yep. Even well, that was the hope that that he would season, but he didn't. Yep. It, it just does, sometimes it doesn't happen. They defense is is its own animal. It's skill set, mindset. You just might not have it. It's yeah. The, well, Wendell Carter Jr. was awful at Duke too, and he got better. Bagley was awful at Duke, and he is still awful. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> anyways i think we said enough about bagley i think he's out of the rotation yeah. i think harris out of the rotation I yeah think... just a yeah just just to rip on bagley one more time oh. it's not really <laughs> ripping on him because he has to he has to be able to shoot period bagley is a guy who's gonna have to be able to find the vet you know his his value even if he can become like a, a below average and not like outright liability defender on the perimeter which i think would only happen to power forward no matter where he is power forward center he's got to be able to shoot to become you know provide actual value and as of last season, his shot has bad mechanics and absolutely an utterly horrible touch. He made no progress, no discernible progress yep. from his rookie season to this last season. He, and if he can yeah, shoot. I think if, sorry, if he can shoot, he can go from a below replacement level player to the worst version of Carl Anthony Towns. No, <laughs> that's 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 kind of like the upside with Bagley. In my my opinion, is he is just the extreme poor man's Carl Towns, if he can shoot a little bit, but that's, that's a bad player. That's a bad player. I'm saying (laughs) I'm like the, the, the bar is on the floor and if, and this is him inching above it and he hasn't inched above it. So no, not at all. At least with Wiseman, there's more of a mystery box. Hey, give him a couple years and you might have a decent player. Yeah. He's only 22 still. It's true, and he doesn't have much time in the league. No, so no. I, I, I hope we, and I hope, and I, I'm quite confident in this that we won't see him and Durham playing together. But no, uh, God. yeah, I think person number three that we're going to agree on is Killian Hayes at this point. Yeah, and things could get a little bit interesting if he comes to camp and he can suddenly shoot <laughs> because you know we need, or let's say, well, if we're going to have somebody get injured, um, <laughs> I'm not going to, I'm not going to even postulate a scenario in which Kateravi gets injured. So. We'll say that Burks and Morris gets injured, one of the two. Yeah. And Killian comes in and he's suddenly a reliable three point shooter on volume 
like, you know, 38, 39%, then that's a genuinely valuable NBA player. And that's the only instance in which I can see him realistically getting minutes because I think Pistons are going to want to play Monte. They're going to want to play Alec Burks and Killian. I know we've heard one report that they would be willing to move him. I think that's no surprise to anybody. But yeah, I think that he's going to have to find a way in based on circumstance and he's going to have to make the most of it. Yeah. Him not getting extended, whereas Isaiah Stewart has gotten extended already, says a lot about where they they view Killian Hayes' role in the future of the team. Yeah, I mean, most guys, like unless you are like a really solid beloved role player or a genuinely good player, it's rare that you get extended. But yeah, I think there was just never any... I mean, they could still extend him until opening night, but they won't. They won't. Um, I think he's another player who has just shown minimal improvement in the necessary areas, namely as a scorer. Yeah. He is as bad at it, almost as bad at it, as he was the the day he came into the league. And he's still, he still won't attack the rim through contact. He still legitimately and sometimes literally runs away from contact. Like one of the most shameful moments last season was in an early season game in which Pistons were playing against the Bucks, killing at the ball in transition. The only guy in front of him was George Hill, and he genuinely took a you know took a little fish hook there, uh, which literally meant when he got to George Hill, he peeled away and turned around <laughs> and ran back the other direction a little bit to find somebody to, to to pass the ball to. So, yeah, he's just a shot away, but a lot of guys are a shot away. Mm-hmm. And you just look at all of his his numbers through. His three-point percentage has remained almost like locked in at hovering at 0.274. So that's 27% for three years running. Just a little bit above, a little bit below. Two-point percentage pretty much locked in at 43%. There's not a lot of variance here with with the, the shooting numbers. The only thing he can do is he's decent on free throws, but he never, uh, but he never takes any. So yeah. it doesn't matter. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. He has one of the lowest free throw rates amongst guards in the league. Yeah. And I mean, he's got that mid range pull up, which when things are going well, he can hit at the efficiency threshold, mm-hmm. but that's just like his go-to and your go-to can't be a shot. You're hitting at 48%. So sorry, <laughs> <laughs> especially because still nobody, I mean, they'll let you take the shot. Nobody's yeah. going to double team you there. He is a very talented passer. And it's a pretty solid defender in lieu of the other qualities you need as a scorer, particularly as a shooter, which is non-negotiable. That's nowhere near enough. Yep. So, um, yeah, so he's going to have to find his way in. But it could be an interesting thing. I mean, if he comes to camp, if he performs very well at training camp, if he performs very well in preseason as a shooter, then, uh, you know, it could leave the Pistons with an interesting choice, though I'm sure that they would want to see half a season, you know, a significant period of the season of him doing that. And... But it's like at this point, also, if he reports and the guy has got to know what peril his career is in, if he reports and he is still allergic to contact, then the guy has his head in a cloud somewhere. Right. Mentality thing is just if he doesn't have the sort of mentality to play that that style, it just might not ever come. If it's habits, right, built up not over just three years in the NBA, but a whole lifetime playing basketball that he could be fighting against that just might not be in the cards for him and yeah he's only 22 so he's still very young but the point being is that there's been such such little progress other than a brief window of him being a halfway decent role player that we can look at and it's 
it's the this is this is it. I mean, this training camp and this you know season, we'll say, is kind of kind of it for for his time in Detroit. And maybe they they just move on from him and let him start anew, just do a salary dump or something. He's part of like some other trade for another contract, and hey, you know, wow. here's a fresh start. That's- yeah, we had uh, we had Stanley, the Stanley Johnson Thon Maker trade. That's the only thing I could think of if he stays this bad. Yeah, yeah, that's it's just maybe it's just swap, you know, yeah, un- for another disappointment. Yeah, un-, un underperforming draft picks and just see if a different environment might be good for them. It could happen. I mean, it's not like all hope is lost. It's just the I think he's well on the outside looking in, especially with the acquisition of you know another guy monty morris who i think is going to yeah. see a lot of play time he's a good he's, he's a good backup point guard yeah. genuinely good backup point guard one of the better backup point guards in the league in my opinion so yeah, yeah it's going to be an uphill battle and i would say i don't think killian unless he suddenly becomes, becomes able to both shoot and break down defenses is really uh or shoot and is elite from mid-range is realistically likely to be a backup point guard if he can shoot suddenly i think it's alec burks he's more likely to take the spot from but Anyway, yeah, we've made it to, to half hour just talking about these guys. So let's uh, move on to uh, to the rotation. And I mean, I'm I'm quite certain that we uh, are going to have the same answer here. But what you see is the starting lineup on opening night, assuming no injuries. So I've been having a lot of thoughts about it, and assuming no injuries, fingers crossed. What I think it will be, not necessarily what I would do, is Cade Ivy. Boyan Stewart Duran is the starting five, mm-hmm. and off the bench then would be. I mean, just leaves the remainder of the guys that, that we didn't talk about. Yeah, uh, off the bench, but in order of kind of relative hierarchy, you you know that that um uh what's his name Livers is going to get in there. Uh, As- Asar is obviously going to get in there. Burks is going to get his for sure and Monty Morris. I think those are the four guys who are a little bit above any anyone else and we'll see pretty significant playing time barring injury. Yeah. I'd be shocked if Wiseman doesn't make it in there too. Oh, Wiseman. Eh, yeah. Yeah. We need a back. So that is a ten, that is that is yeah. a 10 man rotation. There you These go. Are 10 guys I think we'll get in there too. Yeah, I agree with the uh, I agree with the starting lineup. I don't think Stewart is I don't think there's the slightest chance even that he is this team's uh, power forward of the future. I think that he'll ultimately end up as a backup center who plays some spot minutes of power forward. But I think, like, Boyan is... I know that there's a certain sentiment of trade Boyan while he has value. I don't think Boyan really has a ton of value. I think he has more value to, uh, on the trade market. I think he has a lot of value to this team as, as an elite, as an extremely elite shooter who's just super smart, gets open off the ball, and is just an ideal play finisher and, and just off-ball, kind of off-ball creator, so to speak, in some ways for Caden Ivey. So, yeah, I think he's in there for sure. I think Stewart's there just because he is the only realistically decent option at this point with Weber still a question mark. Yep. Duran is obviously there and Cade and Ivy are Gibbons. So, yeah, and then then coming off the bench, obviously, you know, Monte's going to get a decent number of minutes and Brooks get a decent number of minutes mm-hmm. and Weber's, um, they get more or less depending on Asar. Yep. And, uh, and and then Wiseman just picks up whatever's left. And just for the record, I mean, traditional centers generally don't get paid, don't get played huge minutes if it can be avoided. Um, so maybe you see Duran get 32. Uh, who knows? I mean, do you see a situation in which, like, 
I kind of feel like if, if Wiseman is still terrible after this offseason and halfway through the season, you might just get punted from the rotation and Stewart moves to backup center, especially and it just if Asara is ready, period, to be a center. Yeah. Or, excuse me, to be a center. Yeah. A center. Yeah. Maybe someday if he continues to grow for like <laughs> right. the next five years. Right. <laughs> yes. Him and Armin just, you know, keep growing and become tree, tree-like entities that can run and jump and do all of yeah. the crazy athletic things they're capable of at seven feet tall. Yeah. So... Uh, let's talk Asar real quick. I mean, do yeah. you do you see any realistic scenario in which he finds his way into the starting lineup on day one? I, it's going to depend on him. I think that yeah. he's a top five draft pick. That they are incentivized for him to turn out well. So if he performs adequately and can actually show to be more than just a purely complimentary passer of the ball on offense, at least showing some ability to stretch the floor to to score in a meaningful way again that those the big concern with the sar thompson is that his scoring is at a pretty rough point at in his development at the moment it is very raw yeah, yeah. It, if if he shows some life on that end and can actually hang with the rest of the rotation and space the floor maybe or can be a reliable I don't know. I mean, he needs to space the floor if he's going to start. I, I'm trying to think of the other other things that that, that Asar would need needs, to do. He'll need to space the floor to play in the NBA period. But yeah, certainly to start. Certainly to, start. to see. Yeah. Yeah. To take he over super for, for Bojan at the three, he needs he needs to shoot. And I would. I mean, do you think that if he if he makes in the starting lineup, you don't think it's going to be Stewart? He bumps. Well, I was saying Bojan to the four. And then, oh, okay, gotcha. and then Stewart, yeah, I agree. Stewart back to backup five. That would yeah. that would be great because then you could solve the forward problem from within the, the the forward shooting component because Livers hasn't been healthy and I really like Livers. I think he's a great dude. I've re- I've really liked what he's brought, but he's not been healthy and that is a big concern. It's a big year for Livers as well in terms of what he's going to do with his NBA career, what the Pistons are just otherwise. Um, yeah. So Asar going back to Asar is if he can shoot, Asar will, will start. Even if the whole rest of the thing is rough, it's an adventure. It's hot and cold. If, if Asar is at least decent at shooting, he is going to start. And because I don't view that as likely at this point. I don't have him the starting rotation, so we have Stewart at the four to kind of compensate for that. Because at least Stewart presents a better spacing dynamic for for, for the team. I, th- I think so, too. There's all of the indicators seem like that, sh- that number is going to jump way up this year. So I'm... I'm more than willing to let Stewart start at the four for this year, which is a developmental year. I just want to get that out of the way right now. This is a pure developmental year. I don't want Bojan traded because I think it would be really hard to replace that amount of production with that spacing efficiency that he provides with a, a, a lesser player that you'd be getting. You'd be getting assets for like picks and whatnot for Bojan, but then you would be having to make up his production from a lesser player. Yeah, I agree. It's just, yeah, there's, there's no, I don't see a compelling reason to do it. 
No. And so you just you makes you make life a lot easier on Caden Ivy on offense. Yeah. yeah, on defense there are the there are the considerations, but I mean, it's just how how do you replace that value? And yeah, how on offense do you do you replicate the way in which he will make their lives easier, both in terms of serving as an elite spacer and and complementing them in yeah. terms of uh complementing their playmaking abilities and their exactly. gravity and so on. So yeah, so yeah, I'd say if Asar, I think if Asar reports to training camp, he can shoot and can shoot like in, in a high third with like new form and, you know, is, is really good in preseason. Maybe that gets him in the starting lineup over Stewart. Like maybe. Um, I would like to say that I'm confident in that, but he's got a ways to go. Like you said, he's raw on offense. I yeah. mean, the guy struggled from every level in, uh, in the overtime elite. And that was, that was against easier defenses. Now, does this mean bad things about his future, about his ability to improve? No, it's just that right now he is not far out of the OT. He's going to have to adjust the NBA. He's going to have his test to rebuild his shot. Still didn't look good in summer league. No, it did not. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So let's, uh, let's talk minutes. Hmm. I mean, if you had to, if you had to just in in a useless hypothetical exercise, if you had to lay out minutes for, for every member of that 10 man rotation, what would it look like for you? Ooh, that is, it's, it's tough. Um, Cade, um, what do we think? Yeah, Thirty. I can, I can, I can start if you want. I I'm just, I'm, uh, yeah, yeah. Go, go. You go. Yeah, I'll just wing it. I think you'll see Cade and Ivy both get thirty-four a game. Uh-huh. Um, just because you know it's a good, solid number. They'll get more in close games. I think uh, you'll see Boyan probably, you know, drop to thirty-two, maybe thirty at the lowest. Uh, Stewart, I think you'll see play in the high twenties. I don't think Stewart's going to be a guy who's going to be getting huge minutes this year. I think I think those are gonna uh, those are gonna drop just based on, on on the nature of the roster. You'll see Duran maybe get thirty two, and then you go to the bench. You're looking in the mid teens for Morris, the mid teens for Burks, um, right about the mid teens for Asar as well. And again, if it's, yeah, if Asar comes in and is still really struggling as a scorer, just force feeding him minutes is not going to be the way to make his life better. You know, high teens and minutes is not bad for a rookie who's struggling as a scorer. Uh, if you want to, if anybody wants to look back on on how it can look otherwise, look at Stanley Johnson. Not making the comparison, it's just just force feeding minutes to a guy to a rookie. Just, yeah, or it's not not always the best way. Don't even have and, to go uh, back that far. Think about Killian Hayes's initial sort of role when the before the the leg injury in his rookie year, how he was penciled in as the starting point guard. And oh yeah, in his in his second year, first yeah, year that was fun. First year, he actually oh in his first year, he replaced yeah, even in his first year. He, he, he replaced Derek Rose in, in the first year and it didn't go great. He got injured. We were like, what the heck is going on? The team sucked, got Cade out of it. Sure. But it, well, there was, there was more to it than that. Casey barely used him. He was point guard, but it's basically his job is to bring it up the floor and then pass it to Griffin and get out of the way. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm just talking generally. Yeah. Speaking. Generally speaking, but, yeah, it wasn't a good just, time. It wasn't good for, for Killian. Nonetheless. No. So yeah, I mean, if you're if you're talking, if you're talking Stewart only playing in the time, in the you know in the high twenties, then uh, you know maybe you get twenty minutes to Asar, and that leaves you just uh, kind of clean up minutes for Isaiah Livers, assuming he remains healthy, which is anybody's guess. And then I don't know, maybe 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 Stewart plays some backup center as well, just to give those uh, the you know the bench forwards more minutes, and you see maybe like fifteen a game for Wiseman. That's how I would see it. Yeah, I think that that is all all pretty reasonable. I would say going through it more because I didn't really think about this until you asked. I would say 30, 30 minutes for, I'd say 30 minutes for 
Bowie on is very reasonable. I would say Wiseman probably want to see that number closer to to 19 than the 25 he was playing in Detroit for last year after the trade. A lot of people were upset that him and Duran were getting equal run, but Duran was hurt and was an 18-year-old or barely 19-year-old. So it's fine if if he's splitting minutes in his rookie year with with someone like somebody else. And from there, I would say Livers, if he's healthy, they're going to want to play. And I'm going to guess 22 minutes if he's healthy. Stewart might be getting 29 minutes with the starting position, starting role. And then, like you said, Burks and Morris are somewhere in the low 20s, high teens. Ivy's probably and Kate are probably getting 34 minutes, 35 minutes a game, if they are who we think we they are. And Duran's going to get starting center rotation minutes, so 31 minutes. Yeah. Uh, so you're going you're going full Dennis Green then, if they are who we thought they were? I am. I am. Yes. They are who we thought they were. We <laughs> let them off the hook. <clears throat> yeah. Now, if you would... So that's the rotation as we think it will be. If you had to make a change, there any changes to that rotation, what would it be? Well, the hot... Get rid of Wiseman. Move Stewart to backup center. Yes. And I would strongly consider Alec Burks in either the two or the three spot in the starting lineup. Yeah. If we got, if we Mm. move Stewart out and put Bojan at the four Burks at the three, if we wanted to really maximize the starting five, that, that was my thought too, because that would give us the best veteran scorers to pair with our likely three sort of, foundational pieces obviously asar not without standing so yeah it that's what i would do if i was cooking it up in my head and i was just saying what's the best five players to put together so that's that's where i would go but i don't expect it because we know what we think they they think of stewart which is very highly and they they've said multiple times we see him as a power forward so you, I don't know. Have they said that? I think they just said it was Casey in particular who just said that he thinks that he thought that Stewart could line up at power forward. No, it was it was Troy Weaver during. Oh, I don't remember. I'll have to go looking. Yeah, well, I, I remember I know how much of that is lip service. Some quote, you know, being thrown thrown around there when he signed the deal. Yeah, he can play the four. We see no overlap well, with Duran and okay. Wiseman and Stewart and Bagley. They lip service, obviously, but. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I think that's likely to be lip service. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Unless, unless Weaver thinks that Isaiah can very abruptly find a, a new gear in terms of NBA athleticism <clears throat> or mobility even. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I would say I feel pretty satisfied with that being the rotation going in. I mean, I'm not, uh, I'm looking for them to replace Stewart in the starting lineup whenever possible, but I think that will only happen if Asar proves that he's ready and uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm actually feeling fairly good about it. Of course, not everybody is going to remain healthy, and that, that rotation could easily shrink to just shrink to nine if somebody gets injured. Like, let's say, um, 
I don't know, Isaiah Livers gets injured. Yeah. I don't think you see somebody else. Well, yeah, no, that, that was when Kelvin Hanging for it. He was the first person that came to mind. <laughs> I think you just see more minutes go to other players who are already in the rotation. I don't think Bagley is in another rotation already. I don't think you're going to see him coming in. But uh, let's just cap this off because we're getting close to 50 minutes with yeah. some talk about the veterans in the roster and expectations, You know, just what, what we expect to see out of them. You know what they'll contribute, what we're looking for, and the likelihood that they'll get traded. And we already talked about Joe Harris. You know, I think he's just a just a break glass veteran. We both we both concluded yeah, that hundred percent. So uh, let's talk about the new guy, be Monte Morris. Yeah. So what are you uh, what are you expecting to see out of Monte? What do you think he'll contribute? What will you be looking for? I am looking forward to if it's so career year or not career contract year. And he's 27 in prime, so we want a career year. And he's my trade bait guy out of all, all of the rest because he is the most motivated to play really, really well in his role because, like I said, he's in his prime, and this is going to be the largest contract of his, of his life. So that being said, I think if he... If he outshoots his career high of 12.6 points per game and does the same steady less than a turnover per game deal, you know, just comes in, shoots efficiently, plays really solid both both ways. I think he's the guy that that other teams who are positioning themselves for playoffs if if healthy that um they're going to look for a, a solid backup point guard to help tie things together. So that that is, I, I really am excited that we have Monty Morris for what amounted to just a second round pick. So it, I mean, $9 million, like that is nothing to this team. That is $9 million for this year is absolutely of no consequence especially for a player as good as he is. So he's got a good reputation around the league. This isn't like some reclamation project that people have discounted. People know that Morris is legit. And yeah. Oh, I, 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 I agree. I see where you're going with it. It's, I would just be surprised. It's just not, it's not super easy to find a, a high quality backup point guard on the free agent market, especially these days. So I I wouldn't be surprised to see him extended midway through the season. Actually, if he's doing very well with the team, especially for a team that wants to move on and and hopefully you know compete sooner rather than later. You know, twenty seven is a good age. You can he's even get him on a five year deal. Uh, he's twenty eight. Yeah, he's twenty eight. His last year was he just turned twenty eight in June. Yeah, gotcha. So yeah, I think I wouldn't be surprised if they look to extend him. I'd be actually very surprised. I'd be the most surprised out of out of the three of them, out of Burks, Boyan, and. And, and Morris, if he comes in and he plays well, is the Pistons haven't had a guy like that in a while, unless you consider Derek Rose, who was around for a pretty short time, uh, who you know could easily step in and on a, on a good team, step in at point guard and do a decent job. You know, you'd want him to be like the the third best, maximum third best player in the starting lineup, ideally like the fourth best in that situation. But he can do it, come in and do a good job. I mean, I'm just looking for him to to continue doing what he's done. You know, play. Uh, you know, be a strong playmaker, and he is incredibly safe with the ball, and he's a good passer. Shoot threes at a high percentage, which he can do. You know, do some creation. He can. He can certainly do that too. And he's small and has short arms, but he plays decent defense. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I would. I would be unsurprised to see him with the Pistons in the longer term. 
Interesting. Okay. So it's yeah. not that I would be surprised, but that's my trade bait. Like can't okay. right there. That's, that's the guy that I looking at this roster, I just move not preseason. If there's a, a pre season trade, it's not going to be Monty Morris, but I'm saying for trade deadline purposes, just move him right up to the top. I think there, there could be a team interested in his services for a first round pick, not a good one, but a first round pick. Mm-hmm. All right. Fair enough. Uh, move on to number two, Alec Burks, who really had a career season last year yeah. with the Pistons. Yeah, I'm not. Uh, I'll just kick this one off. I'm not entirely convinced that's that's his new normal, that the Pistons, you know, that'll come back in, in a second season with the Pistons and be as good as he was last season because he was he was very, very solid on offense last year. And along with Boyan, one of the best uh, catch and shoot guys in the league. Yeah. So I. Yeah, he might he might come in and look a little bit worse next season. That, that wouldn't be just going back to his career mean would not be would not be an out of the ordinary thing. But I expect he'll still come in and be a strong three point shooter. Might not be quite as good on the creation side of things, but still come in and be a strong spacer, just solid veteran presence. Uh, to him, you can you know sometimes give the ball and ask him to create points, and he'll do it decently well. And I'd rate him actually as the most of the three, most likely of the three to be traded next season, uh, especially if if he is having a decent season. If there's somebody pushing him, I doubt that'll be Sasser. Uh, but who knows? I mean, if it's Killian, I'd say it's obviously, and they're feeling good about him, I'd say it's obviously Burks who's going to go. I just I just get the feeling that he's the likeliest to be traded sometime next season uh, if things are either going well. Actually, no, I'd say if things are not going well for the Pistons. If he's if he's an, an, an important part of a rotation that might be able to challenge for a play-in spot, then he's not going anywhere. But uh, yeah, so don't expect he'll be quite as good, just again, because of career mean stuff, but I think he'll be, he'll be the sort of very strong space where the Pistons really need. Yeah, I think... I, I agree that, that he is definitely a tr- trade chip I, and maybe even the most likely to be traded just because out of all of the guys who are upcoming with upcoming free agent or restricted free agent considerations, he's probably the most likely to be gone. So I think that, especially with Sasser, who could ver- they very well see as like a long-term component, they they could just be like, yep, we're redshirting Sasser. Let Burks prove himself again. Hopefully we get something for him. Sasser comes in, takes takes on his role, and is younger with um, a little bit higher of a defensive, especially point of attack threat there. So that I could very well see that that Burks is gone. I yeah. I just I, I just think that that you get more for trading Morris. Than you would for trading Burks. You might get more, but you lose more versus the future. I mean, yeah, you lose more too. Yeah. As much as I like Burks, he's uh, I think he's thirty two, if I remember correctly. Yep. And I mean, if he has another season like this, great. But you know, the clock's ticking there, and I know that I say that talking about Boyan, who I think is thirty four or thirty five. I, uh, I had this brought up and uh, somehow managed to uh, managed to lose it. You're still looking at Basketball Reference, I'm sure. I, so. I am. He's he's 34. Um, should be turning 35 at maybe the end of the season. I, I can't really do dates that well. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, so Boyan uh, is about 34 and a half right now. Just pulled it up. So yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I'll, I've said it before. I'll say it again that I think just Boyan is very valuable to this team in particular. Yeah, he is a pretty weak defender. Uh, it's His defense isn't quite as much of an issue if he's not playing alongside other weak defenders. So hopefully Ivy will be better. Ivy has to be better on yeah. defense because he was extraordinarily bad last year. Not 
not in the sort of Bagley, oh, you were shit, pardon the language, you were bad in college, and now you're bad. You're bad now too. I mean, Ivy wasn't wasn't necessarily a bad defender in college. He was below average certainly, but he had he had his struggles in his first year in the NBA. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, Boyan's just such a strong offensive player and serve as a release valve, serve as a finisher, serve as a guy who always knows what to do. As a veteran, he's just for my money exactly the sort of player you'd you'd want to put next to Cade and Ivy on offense. So, uh, unless unless things are I don't. I can't really necessarily think of a situation unless the Pistons get a great offer, and uh, th- th- to this point, they have been unwilling to listen to anything less than great offers on Boyan. Unless they get a great offer, I think he's with the team until at least the trade de- trade deadline. If they're trading for the trade deadline, it's because the season has gone disastrously wrong. Or Asar or Livers has come so online that they can just step in and be starting for this team. No, good luck. Good luck with that. I don't think Livers. I'd be, I'd be shocked and thrilled, of course, if Livers ever got anywhere near that. Oh my that. god! Um, <laughs> you know, because Boyan is is a remarkably good off ball player, and I'm not just talking about catch the ball and shoot it. Yeah. Though he can do that extremely well. He's, I mean, he's, he's yeah, not a good defender, but I've, I'm always impressed by how he reads the court. There's just a he's lot extremely of extremely smart, a lot of heads up plays that that he makes. I'm just like, this is this guy is is kind of clicking and he he gets how the game is played and his mm-hmm. his basketball iq is really high just he's not a good defender so go figure as this offensive iq is excellent oh yeah like truly excellent really yeah, really without good. a doubt yeah and he can do he's like this sort of off-ball creator almost i mean yeah he finishes shots from the three-point line he doesn't take many pull-up threes uh he, he's quite good at attacking closeouts yep. if you give him any space at all in terms of uh you know, getting a decent lane to the rim, he will score. Even though the defender will get there, he'll score anyway. He can score from off the ball in the mid-range at an acceptable percentage. He is just, and he's not a guy you give the ball. Well, Casey tried because Casey, if he's like, oh my goodness, it's a, it's a veteran who can create some offense here. Take the ball, score, please. Do it. Just just do it, okay? Um, so there was some of that last year. That wasn't Boyan. Boyan has always been, gets the ball in stride and does something with it. He does not hold on to the ball for long. This is not a guy who's going to compete with Kate and Ivy for possession. And he's going to fit. He's a guy here. Sorry, he's going to fit in so well with what the new coach is going to be preaching, which is just the point. Fast movement. Fast movement, fast decision-making, 0.5 seconds. And he exemplifies that. I think he's going to see a ton of time. And barring health, I'm honestly excited to have him back next year. He's healthy and still playing well, just because it's hard to get good offensive role players in in the NBA, especially when you have dominant creators already in place in Caden Ivey, hopefully, obviously. But Caden Ivey hopefully are taking a big chunk of the on-ball creation duties, opening up for guys like Bojan to really exploit their mismatches, and he's lethal at that. So. Yeah. He's, he doesn't he's, need he's to be real, fast. To score, yeah. He doesn't need to be fast to score. He he plays an excellent like old man game. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think he's obviously not dependent upon his athleticism. No. It's remarkable how he can still make it to the basket and mm-hmm. score. It's largely based on his smarts because he's slow and he can't jump. So yeah, he's you know, and if you look at his scoring over the last five seasons, I mean, 18, 20, 17, 18, and then the career high 21 and a half last season on excellent efficiency. Yeah. And I, and these are not empty offensive stats. No. The guy doesn't 
pass a ton, but he's he's a capable passer. He's not passing a ton because he's generally finishing plays. Again, he's not a guy you're handing the ball to at the perimeter and having him run and run on the pick and roll and, and penetrate to the rim and and kick it out to an open man. He's he's just he's a he is a very high efficiency, yep. you know, borderline elite scorer, not an elite creator, but he's a guy who can put up a lot of points and do it very very efficiently. And even when he's not scoring, I mean, you have to watch him very. He's, he is a constant. Uh, a constant attraction to the defense because you cannot leave him open. You can't. He's averaged no. six or more three-point attempts per game in the last four seasons. Yeah, this... and he's <laughs> and over that span, he's, he's averaged about forty percent. And last season, he shot close to fifty percent on wide open threes. Yeah, if I remember correctly. Yeah, it was it was a pretty ridiculous number. So Bojan's like the highest value, and also in terms of like a trade asset. So I also just don't view him in the same category as, and he's also not technically an expiring. So I almost don't view him in the same category as Burks or, or Morris at this point. And also, like you said, it had to be, it has to be a great offer. It has to be an offer that's so good. You can withstand losing that production on an already pretty shaky NBA team. <laughs> Definitely, you'd have to. It'd be a really good offer. That would be like, yeah, that's what they've been asking for too. Would, yeah, last season, I mean, uh, the, everything we heard was that the Pistons were willing to put him on the market, but we're more than happy to keep him. And we're not going to trade him unless they got a very, very good offer. An offer, I think, through that one point was like two first round picks, which was never going to happen. No. So, all right, so that's uh, that's I believe it for what we wanted to cover tonight. Uh, any closing thoughts? I, uh, again, there's there's a, a way better basketball team than last year. So, oh, yes. It, although we've definitely hedged plenty as fans in, on this podcast, I still want to get across that this is a better team and people should be excited for what's going to happen this year. Don't get caught up in wins and losses. Just enjoy the, the what they actually do between the, the start and end of the, the game. And if we have a better process, we have just everybody a year older, a year more experienced. Hopefully we see the wins at the end really show up in a meaningful way. And then this upcoming off season, that big corner turn could very well be made. So I'm excited. Never been yeah, more excited, I'm... at least since, I don't know, since I thought like Charlie Villanueva was going to be the savior of uh-huh. the franchise. <laughs> yeah. No, I was, I felt pretty excited going into the 2017, 2018 season actually. And that's still that first 20 games is still the best stretch of Pistons basketball we've seen in the last 15 True. years. So still waiting for that to be beaten. Who knows if that'll be next season at this point to be excited for it. Obviously that was a team that was, that was, that was uh, their number one objective was to win games and they had very little, you know, upside to be found. So yeah. uh, in any event, that was a long time ago. Yeah. So, uh, all that said, uh, Bryce, thank you again for, uh, for for coming on the show and, and talking basketball with me. Of course. Thanks, thanks again, Mike. So, uh, yeah, as always, folks, I uh, want to thank you for listening. Catch you next week's episode.